0: Hello and welcome to the Homeless World Cup podcast. I'm Adam Wilson. I'm Mariana Mercado. I'm Paul Hyland. Join us as we discuss homelessness, the unifying power of sport, and look at what goes into making the Homeless World Cup tournament possible.
1: Welcome to the latest edition of the Homeless World Cup podcast. In this episode, we speak to Cliffy Martinez of the South African NGO Oasis, who are also the Homeless World Cup's street football partner in South Africa. We cover a lot in this 30 minutes or so, We speak to Cliffy about his background, how Oasis has been dealing with COVID and how they have adapted their program. We also talk about how Cliffy was asked to assist the city of Cape Town's homeless program at the peak of the outbreak. And we also cover Oasis' successful pop-up arena initiative and how they hope to use it to provide employment and transform not just lives, but whole communities also. We begin by asking Cliffy about his background. Hope you enjoy.
2: So, again, guys, thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, so, if I need to be extremely formal, my name is Clifford Martinez, but better known in various places as Cliffy. So, if somebody were to say Clifford, they wouldn't know, but if they mentioned the word or the name Cliffy, I think they will, they will associate as kind of the starter or the founder of this Oasis NGO um, back in 2000. Uh, so, we kind of almost of age of 21 years, but we're just about there. Our OASIS organization really just stems from um, wanting to make a difference. Um, Myself, coming from these challenged communities, um, having been in this field of community development for many years before OASIS even existed, being afforded the opportunity. And I always say it's a blessing. It's a God-given blessing that I'm able to lead an organization called Oasis. Um, and everything that we do really just stems from what, what has happened within our own um, upbringing, and also what has happened within our own lived communities, not just a little talk shop or talk show, but literally living, um, had it not been for good for parental and family uh, support with parents, um, Easily I could have been one of those, either on the streets or involved in antisocial activity. So OASIS's aim is to just use the, the, the strength of sport as a vehicle for social change. I know that's a lingo that everybody uses all over, but I think it's literally just saying that how are we able to not just say that we want to set the foundations right for the people, but we're actually saying lift the foundation and rework the trench and dig a little deeper in there and then anchor and then start laying a foundation because
1: I think oftentimes
2: we feel people um, lose focus because they think that, oh, I've been now off my drugs or my gang activity for the last three, four, five years, but then you see the bolts on the foundation start getting loose um, and it gets windblown and soon the person falls and I think this is what we want to say we want to really stay, is go back into the trench rather than just setting up a foundation. So that's what Oasis is trying to be, as simple as possible. Um, no rigmaroles and attached to that. How has Oasis been coping with COVID? Uh, under the circumstances, very well, in that we were actually asked to assist the city of Cape Town's homeless program, um, um when the increase and when it was the heightened peak of COVID, um, it's been South African big news, but I'm sure it's been across the world where um, the city of Cape Town has been lambasted or lambasted because of the way they treated the homeless people on the streets. Uh, When they were almost all, I think we had up to almost 2000 people, live together in one big sport field um, where huge marquees were put up. So, three organizations were approached to assist in the homeless um, accommodation in that period of time, and Oasis were fortunate to be also one of them. Um, In our tent, we had literally up to almost 500 people that we needed to look after. And that means, how on earth are we going to keep social distancing? How on earth are we actually going to be uh, um, applying the the rule of law? Um, We couldn't. But I think our approach was very, very open in that we actually realized that we won't be able to do the, the, we we can do the awareness raising instead of trying to force people living on the streets now in a concentrated space. and for, force them to to keep the distances. We're not living in a concentration camp. So the, so Paul, in, in, in a short, it's to say that we used our skill of sport and recreation to engage um, the people that we lived with. And literally, um, the sport really did wonders that the other partner organizations really wanted to find out, don't I have extra goalposts? Don't I have extra this? Don't I have extra music um, and sound? because when we went in there, we went in there with a sober mind understanding that our people are the roughest of rough and they're not gonna be adhering to any social distancing, but if we can think Mm -hmm. out of the box and do something differently. And that is exactly what we did. Um, It was exciting for us because they were very worried, even the city officials came at one stage when they started seeing me wearing my mask, finally actually asked me after two to three weeks, Cliffy, um, now that you're wearing your mask, are we supposed to be worried now? Because for all the period you haven't had your mask on, you were in the tent with the guys, you were doing every every activity. Um, but again, through God's grace, we were all healthy, we were safe through, throughout the whole process. I mm-hmm. think that the, what we wanted to ensure is to just make sure that people understand this thing called COVID, this thing called um, Coronavirus. Um, not expecting that everybody on the street would know exactly what it entails. And so through our domino tournaments, through our tug of wars, through our little football matches with no touching, um, we did those little activities. I think one of the highlights for me in terms of our program, I must say this, is that I had this three meter wide, long whiteboard and I said to our team, let's it's about thinking out of the box. So we then had our mm-hmm. own little um, roving in- information board um, had pen. I had some cookie pens and I said look this is what I want. Let's have various themes and so one of the themes would be on different days something about um, your situation here at the campsite. And then we handed out cookie pens, here's the whiteboard, write your feelings, what do you think about this situation. Then tomorrow it will be something on HIV, then the next day it's about what you th- what do you now understand about COVID. So instead of us having huge workshop sessions it's rather um, just throw your thoughts onto a whiteboard and we are able to capture our information from there, which, which I think actually worked very well. Um, I actually thought there was going to be some issues, but um, no issues in terms of that. There were a couple of riots that took place outside our tents, but not in the Oasis tent. So when I speak proudly that there was a relationship built, rather than us being the enforcers of law versus them, uh, we, and when you saw law enforced on the other tents, and when they tried to incite some violence at our tents, the people at our residence could actually chase them off away from our tent, which for me was powerful because they basically stated they have nothing to do with them wanting to do boycotting and rioting. Um, we have our own little house that we have to 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 kind of cater for and take care of. So pretty much that was it. It was fun because people today still um, says, say hello to Oasis when we we're on the streets. Some of them that went back to the streets. But after after the, sorry that I'm delaying on this one, Paul, mm. but after the closure of that campsite, they were given options. Um, some could come to Oasis because in the city of Cape Town built uh, two or th- four um, dormitory structures and and, and more um, ablution facility and all or other organizations or back to the streets because of all the, the tension that um, arose from this situation. Um, to date, still, we have about 90% of those people that left the camp. When we broke camp, we had about 80 people coming to Oasis for that from that campsite uh, to live at Oasis. And now we're sitting still with at least 80 to 90% of those people still wow. uh, and so, for the last where we now eight, seven, eight months off the street from from being in a camp setup up to living at the oasis, if I can call it our home scenario, um, and still not 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 sure where they're going to go to if not at oasis. So for me, that that sort of sums up the fact that COVID was um, it was a learning for all of us worldwide, but it was also an opportunity for us to actually extend beyond our comfort spaces. Um, Sounds like a lot of hard work. And that is why what's happening now, we we have all of them there. (laughs) Um, The delay was, so as soon as I get to the office, it takes me about 10 minutes to get into the office because quite a few stops to my office from people trying to get some sort of word in or something. But again, people are happy, people are satisfied. They understand that there's strictness of control that we have there. Um, and that we're at home, that the understanding is they're at home. They're not in a shelter. They're not in some institute. They've got to treat the facility that they live at as they are, as they are home for now whilst they're there.
0: Well, that's fantastic to hear, Cliffy. And uh, we had, last month, we had two of your representatives uh, conducting a webinar on coping with COVID, and we heard a lot of, um, it, you know, it sounded like some great ideas, some novel ideas that you were putting through, and just want to congratulate you on that. Uh, but speaking of novel ideas, <clears throat> Let's move on to the pop-up arena. Can you please let us know how that started with Oasis's pop-up arena?
2: Uh, of course. Although it is not completely functional as we would want it, as I spoke to you or mentioned to you previously. But I think what we've... So many years, we, we've taken the sport to the community. We've taken the street soccer, the 4v4 to the community. We've... And when when we, when I speak our community, I literally speak of an array of various flats like you have in the Stoke cities and all of those places, an array of flats and in between these flats there are some sort of playing space and it's for us to observe then we would have a little makeshift goals in the past um, and set up a little activity there. The whole aim of the, the the activity was to ensure that what are we doing in the morning, the young people that attend school they go to school, those that um, attend or are employed, actually go to their place of employment. But what happens to those that are are dormant and are just laying around or uh, those are often the ones that we kind of have issues with in our community. And so those are the young people that we target in terms of our homeless World Cup uh, preparation processes. Um, And so creating that sort of space, but it's also actually the space of those occupying it there, those who do their drugs there, those who do their gambling on that spaces. Um, so one had one needed to figure out building of a relationship with those with the, the, the those young people, but at the same time also acknowledging that that is their space. We coming into their space. So as the relationship built and strengthened and gained momentum, when we used to bring our goalposts there, you would see these guys without being asked, actually moving the smoking of their the drugs to the other end, uh, moving the gambling game to the other end. And those that want to play football came across to play the football. But as it, as it grew, uh, the idea started just uh, cementing in our, in our understanding that we've got to make that unorganized space organized. And I think this is where the pop-up arena uh, thought came to mind. It's literally saying what we're doing at Homeless World Cup with all our, our little cool um, boxes that we have, how do we bring this into the community And and make sure that that is a center of attraction for that two, three hours that we are there in that community. So that is how the pop-up arena thoughts um, and ideas kind of emanated.
0: So it was, it was more of a way for you to open up a gateway to the community and establish and, a relationship.
2: Absolutely. And so the pop-up arena was never just going to be us coming in with uh, the boards. The next step, because course, we had the set of boards ready, but obviously they damaged over the last two years, um, and so, again, we will be investing soon to try and get more of those boards up and running again. But the further step to that idea was to actually now look at roll on turf, you know, or our AstroTurf, to literally being able to put that on a little trailer with our boards and make a little football arena right there in, a, in the heart of the community. But taking it even further was the thought of, and I've spoken to one or two of the political counselors already that we figured out how we can, Put electricity, or how we can put lighting to the to the facility, and so those are all the little ideas to say that in the in the heart of your ridden community, we're trying to create a space that that you feel comfortable with in your own area because we have we've got rival gangs as all over, and one or two roads separate them from each other. So if we are able to keep them safe within their their sort of radius and their space, kind of would make them feel would make the old auntie feel okay and safe, make the immediate community come and support the activity. Um, and so if we were to then leave equipment at one of the, 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 the families there, then that is what we would wanna do. The set of boards, set of goals get left there so that the, the old lady or the unemployed dad can take ownership and responsibility of the, our equipment.
1: And, and you hope to create some sustainable jobs
2: from that as well, is that right Cliffy? If that could be, because I mean, what, that's actually a very good question. They were very imp- we had that going. So the city of Cape Town, through the national government processes, has this uh, three to four month sometimes contract that we call the EPWP, Expanded Public Works Program. And so we've had some of our people, currently we still have a new lot, but not in the in the pop-up program, um, but they... They are being paid for the next three to four, five months and they are being employed, but also employed to do the rollout in community of with a sport program that we have.
0: Ideally, how does that work? The the sustainable job system?
2: So there's there's two ways of with the city of Cape oh, or well with government, I think. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that we pushed for is with the government. Don't just tell us because you know governments are just trying to tick in, tick on all those blocks. Um, saying they've created so many jobs. We're saying to our uh, local officials, when we take people through a process, so be it that the young persons have lived at Oasis and have kind of committed to growth, allow us then to work from that pool to identify young people for the contractual period of three to six months. Because that then says there's a reward system in place that you've worked hard to get yourself back to a little space of stability, and with that as an opportunity that could arise, that says for the next three to six months you are able to earn an income. Um, so that so that would be the idea. Other than that, um, there's a database that the city of Cape Town has. Everybody is seeking un- unemployed people seeking employment opportunity, Put their list, their names on a database, and then the, then there's randomization. Various names get selected, and just anybody gets given an opportunity. I think um, from our end it was more especially with what happened now with the homeless at the Stranfontaine or at the campsite. That is exactly what happened when they said that there's 14 spaces of, of employment contracts available. I suggested that we will not be giving any of those people that comes now to Oasis uh, an opportunity to, to, to earn yet. They've got to, like the many others, they've got to wait their turn. Uh, and so the first lot of that 80 odd that's living at Oasis just started about a month ago. So they're in the second month now, They the end, end of December. But now it's so it's very cool to see that those young people or those people that were unemployed, living on the streets, doing the drugs, are now off, many of them are off their drugs and they're earning an income. There's some sort of uh, extended relations now happening when we take them to to see family or children of theirs they haven't seen in eight to nine years time and yeah, they see their mom or they see their brother or they see their dad. Uh, and, and I think similar to, so somehow we've got, it's a, a, again, all boils down to this relationship building The enabler, which is the city of Cape Town, provides us that little space and we have the understanding that they understand why we are specific in how we want to create that sort of space of employment opportunity. It has to be programmatic. So similar to our pop-up process, when somebody works within our communities on the streets, he or she that earns an income has some sort of history with Oasis's programs, has some sort of link that just allows us to say that you come from these programs, and so whenever you get this opportunity, it means you are linked somewhere with Oasis. It's, it's amazing to hear that it's having such an impact. Um, is it right that you
1: you are hoping to expand it and and maybe increase the pop ups in the future?
2: Absolutely. I, um, when you saw uh, on our on our on our web about the pop up arena, that was the process of starting to figure out when and who, what corporate can we start engaging to invest in the pop-up arena, that you will get your branding, um, but that is a process. So we had one of our international interns work with me and then another one joined in. So it's, it's been developing all the time. Different interns come and they give the input to the pop-up arena, um, making, it, making it sellable, but making it sustainable making sure that it's also beneficial to the to the users of the facility. Um, so yes, if we are able and I'm trusting that we will be able to expand and have two or three more built um, because it's it's fairly straightforward, it's fairly simple, it's just the carting of the boards, uh, just moving it around from place to place. So if we were able to, um, we had one or two um, rentals opportunity already that we actually, hired out our, our boards because some corporate had some function in the community and then there was some money with it, just, you know, years, years of stuff, pay us the money kind of thing. Um, so yes, there's definitely two, one, generating an income, but at the same time, also being able to brand um, a company that says they want to, to invest in this initiative.
0: And how, how long has the project been going for?
2: Look for as long as for as long as we are doing our community street soccer programs. That is how long this has been happening. Because it, as you can, it, it started with us just having some stuff as goals, and then moving to us making our own little goalposts, and and it really evolved into us starting to say, okay, we need it based on the homeless World Cup sizes. We've it's 14 by 22, so we need so many boards, um, and this is the height of our goalposts and Fortunately, my brother-in-law is in the engineering business. So what we've done with ours, it was it was light, but eventually it had to add to sort of damage because in between the, the chroma deck metal sheeting, we have the polystyrene uh, sandwich in between. So a good surface, but also eventually with all the moving around, it 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 move, it breaks, it shifts around within, so your 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 board becomes weaker. And so we're trying to figure out more ways of actually in, in, uh, enhancing that idea versus the, the sandwiching of um, the polystyrene in between so it's, right. it's constantly but yes the idea is evolving the idea is growing and but again it's going to cost one company that says okay let me fund you for 10 setups um, and then we are able to, to post it and saying it's for rental um but other times it's to go to our work that we do within the community.
0: And how do you find the, the split between the use of the arena, between your work, Oasis's work, and outside uh, requirements?
2: You mean uh, so for,
0: for people renting it and for, what's the split between pe- people renting it and use for within your internal use?
2: So those that would be up for rental, would be ones that won't be used within the community. So for example, if we have 10, we'll keep three or four that goes that that is for rental purposes only, for example. And okay. the others are used within the organization. So the, so that one will so all the items will have the branding of the company on it, but not all the items will be just for use within the community. Three or four will just be solely for rental, but it still gives the, the client or the one who rents the opportunity to to hire a, a good quality uh, facility.
0: I see. Okay. And do you have any other projects in the works uh, aside from the arena that you know you're hoping to to get started that will provide this this sort of opportunity for your members?
2: Look, so I mean, right now what we are doing, we've just the and this is what we've been again plotting in our minds for quite a while, quite a few years, in fact. Where we now we've just so the football, the FIFA Foundation. Um, well, the funds haven't come through yet um, but since July, we we were able to to set up the what we call the Hotspot League. So the Hotspot League kind of was when the city of Cape Town with the homeless um, community tried to figure out on their survey and their research, where are the hotspots within the city of Cape Town boundaries where people congregate. They came up with a, a certain amount of hotspot areas and that then became the name of the league, Hotspot League. To be able, we're not there quite yet, but the, what we've done so far speaks, ex- speaks extremely well to the plans. So the Hotspot League initially was the concept of uh, a win-win situation. Uh, City of Cape Town or government has endless complaints from business about people hanging about on their business spaces and so on. The The communities are bugging the city of Cape Town. There's so many people hanging in front of my doorstep and my house and so on. Um, People are stealing from me. Um, We are saying if a business takes ownership of a particular hotspot, then what we, so we're saying Mondays and Wednesdays, we have what we call the hotspot league. So if the city official buy into this process, they are able to bring the persons or the team of five, six, seven people, as you know, it's 4v4, bring that five, six, seven people to Oasis's venue, uh, which means we don't pay for transport. Uh, The city of Cape Town answers the, the, the complaint of the business owner. So they remove pretty much the persons and bring them on their sporting activity to Oasis, basically away from the business space. So which means business cannot complain now for that next two, three hours. And so if that goes across the city spaces, we have all those 20, 30, 40, 50, I think we had the other day. So we have about currently six, seven teams. So eight times seven, about 50, 60 people coming there for the, for the last Monday, Wednesdays already. Yesterday we had our first um, tournament of the hotspot league, which was very, very cool to, to observe. And so this is the idea that we're saying, so NGOs, When you join the league of this hotspot, or what we call the Oasis Street Soccer League, when you join, you now also, whatever service you offer, are you able to do some life skills? Not all of that 50 people are gonna play at one go. So now we are able to to also create a little space for life skills. We're also creating a space, if that person um, did not maybe, or wishes to have a little shower space, there's a place for him or her to go and have a little shower. Um, And at the same time, there's some sort of meal prepared for them when they come for those two days per week from about 11 till about 2 or 3 o'clock, all the busy peaks. So which means when they return, some of those people that has now come back from school, they go back to the community. Um, Those that are employed go back home from their place of employment, which means everybody, wherever, they've been busy for their day and now they're going back to their community. And so that is the idea about this whole thing. So for me... That is when we spoke. So as the city of Cape Town um, area or space, we've extended it beyond into the Western Cape region. So we've got an, a, a rural town, also main town within um, Western Cape called the Hooster. We've got one member there. And then we've even further, another three-hour drive out of Cape Town, we've got another member, the Oasis um, in that community is that side as well. Um, So all of this works towards our actual selection process when the English PFA comes down to Cape Town and they assist us in the selection criteria and process. So what we do now is at Cape Town, you've now played all the communities, all the areas where the hotspot um, areas are, as well as the the townships. We will have our league winners in this particular league. We will then invite these winners to play in the Western Cape tryouts which means their far-lying, three-hour drive away will come to Cape Town. They will have their playoffs. And when it comes to, I think, um, the PFA comes in February or March again. So that period, we will, we will then again ask the ex-pros, um, Terry and John and those guys, uh, to identify potential good players. That's, what, that's their mandate from us, good players. So when they've come up with their 20, 30 names, because sometimes we're up to 100 people coming for that final trial. Um, then when we have our 20 to 30 people, that 20 to 30 people will now be, be selected because they can play the game of football. So when PFA leaves, thank you very much, John and your team. That's now out. And So what we then do, I hope Terry will be hearing and he will be fighting me anyway. <laughs> um, I think the importance is that This is not for for this program we're doing is to identify people who have maybe the ability, but there's other social challenges that they're facing. And so if you're a brilliant player and your home situation is okay and you're not on the street, but you're living in an informal settlement where it's extremely tough, but your family are able to cope with you even there, then you don't qualify, even though you've been cited as one of the best players. But in terms of the objectives and the purpose of the program of the Homeless World Cup, we can't be taking you along. No. Then we need to link you either to the Oasis Football Club and you have that processes that we follow there to get you into the pro football processes. But in the sport for development activity and initiative is to, to be able to get you to f- understand that you're playing football. People have loved your footballing ability, but also coupled to that, our coaches like Bongani and those guys that you've met with already, they will do home visits to those where those people come from and to ascertain, do they, what is the home situation? Or are they living at the NGO or at the shelter? And that then validates your footballing ability plus your your social need that justifies why we should um, consider you for the next round of trials. Um, So that would be, so that from the hotspot league right through to the national tournament, right down to the selection of the actual 20, whatever um, homeless World Cup squad for South Africa takes place, that process.
0: That's great. It's fantastic hearing about how um, symbiotic it all is and how it all sort of works together.
2: Yeah, um, and the level
0: of commitment as well. Yeah, crazy. Well, we okay? we, <laughs> we've had Terry and Jason on this podcast before, so I know they're huge fans. So they will be listening to this episode, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely.
2: Uh, <laughs> the the coolest part was just around the um, you know the English PFA. I think it's important and 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 Sports Direct without. I don't know how things just work out (laughs) when we've just received about a month ago or two months ago, a huge um, um, consignment of of sporting equipment. And in that sporting equipment were loads of mini goalposts. And for for us to be able to kickstart our league, that just fitted in. So all our members, we were able to issue a set of goalposts, some balls, some cones, some verbs, some all of these things. And so, had it not been for John and his relationship with Sports Direct uh, there at home by you, we wouldn't have been able to actually have started the league on such a footing to say that, look, here we, you know, you've got to commit, here's your equipment, but you've got to commit to the processes. Only members that are signed up as Oasis Street Soccer League members will be invited to come to our tryouts and all of those things. So anyone outside of that won't be given that or afforded that opportunity. You will have to join our league structure and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a good thing if, if, if um, you are able to at least kind of acknowledge the support uh, because I think it is powerful um, to mention. Well, I'm sure they'd be happy to hear that. That's
0: Cliffy, great. thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate that.
2: Thank you, Cliffy. Cheers, guys. Thank you. All the best day with your work.
0: Thanks for listening to the episode. Uh, once again, if you'd like to donate, you can go to homelessworldcup.org forward slash donations. Or search for Homeless World Cup Foundation in Just Giving.
1: Email us at podcast at homelessworldcup.org with things you'd like to hear discussed or get in touch with us on social media. If you enjoyed it, please give us a rating of five stars on iTunes or give us a share online.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the Homeless World Cup Foundation, presented by Paul Hyland, Adam Wilson, and Mariana Mercado. Produced by Adam Wilson and Paul Hyland.